Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Jamie. And welcome to God or Not, the podcast where truth springs from argument among friends. This is episode 13. And coming up, Jamie and I will be talking about prejudice. Deja vu. Seems like we've done this one already. Also in this episode, we have the God or Not book club and spin the wheel. So grab your popcorn, sit back and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the center ring. This is the God or Not Podcast. We're in for a great night of civil discourse here as these two warriors are wrapped up and ready to go. And now, let's get ready to dialogue! All right, Jamie, how you doing today? I'm well yourself, Scott. Yeah. I'm doing good. Doing good. Good. It's a good week. We had, it's been a little cold here lately, but uh, otherwise we've been doing pretty good. How's the weather in Ohio these days? What's what's your typical winter like? Boy, I I know, knock on wood here, it's been pretty mild. Uh, January usually, January, February usually get hit pretty good. Uh, Uh But so far, man, it's been really, the last probably three or four winters have been really it's like feast or famine in Ohio. Right. It, okay. It's like we're either getting pounded like we're Buffalo or 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 it's super mild. And so far this winter, um, it's been fairly mild. So plus I'm not I'm a familiar little, with a, that uh, with that phrase there. Pounded like we're Buffalo. Is that like a lot? <laughs> <it's>, or? <laughs> well, <laughs> Buffalo gets feet and feet and feet of snow. I mean, they get I have my oh, uh, cousin Buffalo, yeah, New York. Yeah. Like the city <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah. I thought I, I pictured like this big bison, you know, and somebody hitting it. I was like, <laughs> no. "What is that? That is the obscurest no thing I've ever heard of." Yeah, no okay. animals were hurt in the making ah, of this. I see. Yeah, yeah. So okay, all right. And hey, I, I got, I'm I got, in Columbus now, so and Columbus is a little further south, uh-huh. uh, um, in middle of Ohio, where where I had lived uh, in the previous, you know. I know three or four years ago was northeastern Ohio, and we had a little bit of a snow belt. And so we would we okay. you know when we got snow, we usually got a lot more snow than uh-huh. a lot of Ohio. But now I'm out of there, and okay. it's much more mild here in Columbus. I'm okay with that. Okay, cool. Yeah, yep. All right. Well, I got a little uh, I got a little bit of little tidbit of news here for you. I was I almost told you earlier, but I saved it until now. And okay. as of as of this recording. Uh, we have now crossed over a thousand downloads. Woo! So hooray for us! Yeah, it, it only took us twelve episodes to get there, but you know we do we do what and, we can do, right? And both of us downloading at least fifty episodes each, right? Well, every, yeah, every that time. was that was assumed, <laughs> right? So so we got to figure what at least a right. hundred of those are legit. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yep. Okay. So last Great. time we were talking about prejudice, and as it turns out, it went a little bit longer than it actually. It went much longer than I a was expecting. Lot longer. Yeah. Um, you know, I was expecting it to be just kind of you know we're just touching on little little bits and pieces here and there, but we got kind of got into some into some things. Uh, we did cut into that last discussion to to when we were talking about what was it um sexism in the bible yeah. and so we're we're going to we're going to readdress that we're going to we're going to do that again at a later time when we can devote a little bit more time to it yes um and then but then also even after the editing that we did it was still you know over a couple hours long and so we decided to chop it in half and we did half last week and so um so we're going to do the other half this week and um yeah. 
uh, yeah, I don't know anything. So, but we are going to talk about like different. Uh, I think we're gonna we're yeah. gonna uh, address like LGBT stuff and and right. other other uh, aspects of of prejudice. Um, anything? Any comments before we get rolling on this? It was it was fairly feisty uh, in uh, part one, and I think mm-hmm. uh, if, if I remember correctly, part two is is probably just as good. I think something that our listeners should know too is that uh, during the, this, especially this particular discussion, I feel like almost every um, aspect of prejudice could have been its own podcast. I right. mean, because it was so meaty. Yeah. So, so I think it's probably safe for me to say, uh, to talk for you as well when I say this, that our opinions and um, uh, thoughts on on each one of these particular aspects of prejudice are are more rich and more full than than what you're hearing now. That's true. That's um, true. We, we just did, we, we did. We didn't kind of flush everything out. Yeah, we could right. because we just we would still be here. And this right. is like a week later, you know. So, um, so just just know that um, you know later on down the line here, probably each one of these will will right. have its own uh, podcast where we could flush everything out and talk um, in more depth about it. Well, I think that's a, a sign of a good conversation is when it sparks other conversations. Yeah, for sure. It like you know reproduces and so on. But anyway, so let's uh, let's get rolling on this. We got uh, part two of prejudice. This is the main event. So let's move on. Let's let's talk about homophobia and transphobia then. Okay. Yeah. So this is a dislike or prejudice against homosexual people or people um, who are are, are are transgender. Um. Yeah. So this obviously happens. Um. And primarily, obviously, we see this within heterosexual and homosexual, right? We mm-hmm. see that um, that happening. Um, can, so, I guess, a uh, question: Can the can the LGBTQ community can they be prejudiced well, towards heterosexuals? They're human. Okay. Humans are prejudiced. Mm-hmm. So the answer, obviously, is yes. Okay. And if that and if and when that happens, then we address that. Okay, great. So the thing is that you know, especially with with well, uh, homophobia and transphobia, they kind of go together. They're they're related. They're related to uh, you know to roles people play in society and so forth. And um, well, why? So you obviously you're it's a touchy subject with you, and that's fine. And I'm not. I don't think that's unexpected and i understand why why you would seem that way why do you think that people say those kind of things to you why do you think people well if they don't accuse you directly accuse so you feel you feel defensive about people um talking about christianity okay christianity as um having uh homophobic or transphobic messages in, in the Bible, for example, and, and I have some Bible verses here, but we're not going to bring them up today. And Sorry, so, Scott. No, that's, I, that's I fine. I still that's, love you, Scott. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Um, but, you know, there, there's, 
think about how how you how you just reacted. Think about how you just reacted to um, people that didn't that don't really know you. You know, if you're talking about online interactions, you, people don't know you. They just see that you're a Christian and they they form a, a stereotype, right? That's what we're mm-hmm. talking about here. You feel stereo, you feel prejudiced against. Is that would that be accurate to say? That is not only accurate but very appropriate given our topic. Yes. Okay. So you, but so what's happening is that Christianity is part of your identity. And mm-hmm. if, if people are talking about it in a way that you feel is uh, unfair, right, or, or not considering you as a human individual, then you react defensively, and that's to be expected, right? So now, think of how that translates into, um, and I'm not going to say you, but let's say a Christian refusing to call a transgender woman by her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this is a person, they have something core to their identity and, and whether or not this other person is addressing them as an individual or whether or not they're stereotyping or they're, or whatever, they're, they're not, they're not taking their identity into consideration. They're not taking something that's important to them. That's, that's part of what they identify with mm-hmm. and they're disregarding it. And very often, not all the time, not maybe not even most of the time, but often it's uh, it's done in a malicious way. Not only do you, do you point at the the trans. I said you. I didn't mean you personally. I know what you meant. I know, man. So, I so must have. I must have really been like super <laughs> pit bull, rabid for for you to be really like you're tipped on here. I I appreciate that. I, hey, well, I, if, well, if we I got was, we. Neither of us have been <sighs> ideal discussion partners today, and and with, that's fine. We can move on. We're still talking, and so that's what's important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but very often you'll see somebody pointing at somebody and calling that person him mm-hmm. as, as a way of saying, no, this is what you are. You don't get to say what you are. I am saying that you are a him. That's what I'm calling you. Okay? Mm-hmm. So think about, think about how you just felt. You've, you've, you've reacted to... Uh, you know, you consider Christianity to be part of your identity, part of you, part of what's important, part of what makes you the way you are, part, you mm-hmm. know, what makes you the human being that you are. And, and when when somebody attacks that, even, you know, even if it's directly to you, if it's indirectly talking about, you know, the religion and so on, um, you react to that. What if, you know, how, how do you think that that transgender woman feels when somebody's pointing at them, calling calling them a him, saying not only are they calling them him, but they're saying you have to call them a him. Yeah, my, I mean, my do you see listen, a difference there. Listen, my heart goes out to them. I don't think we should treat anybody with disrespect. Um, I think that, if, for instance, someone like me, um, you know, if, if I'm having a conversation with somebody who is uh, I'm going to be careful. Well, I'm trying to try to be careful what I say. Even if I'm say I'm talking to somebody who's a biological male, um, who is is experiencing gender dysphoria or or whatever, however uh, far are along the about, process they are. Are you talking about a person with a penis? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes, yes. Who 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 wants to be called Sally? Okay, in in a in a in a in a conversation with them, I will honor that. Because I want to be respectful and kind. 
the my only issue with the i that idea and this is probably for a whole nother podcast as well yeah but i know only- i know we have we have something similar in the plans right we have a we yeah, have a- right. oh yeah we do we do for sure my yeah. only issue again i think we should be kind and loving and i will go out of my way to be respectful and kind my only issue is when we have john uh in the powerlifting competition in the women's division because mm-hmm. he's Jenny now, but he has all the same, um, still have all the, or very similar, um, uh, masculine qualities. It, 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 it makes it so the women in that category can't compete fairly. So those are only my, my well, only qualifying issues with the, the transgender movement. Is, is, that's is your only way? issue is fairness in sports really that's your only well, issue well well f- fairness is is so for for instance if if um if if i'm in a going for a job let's say and um and and it has to do with i don't know why it would be but let's just say it has to do with sex and sarah decides she wants she's going to be john uh today so she could get the job like those are the kind of so, issues. So you're talking about somebody pretending to be transgender. Right. Or having an unfair advantage because of. So that that's different. So that would not. Right. That, so the person you're describing is not a transgender person. They're um, a liar. Well, the, well, there are some. Well, that's true. So my issue with the whole bathroom business, my issue isn't with people who have had surgery who who are, are now a, a female or, or yeah, a female using the female bathroom. That's not my mm-hmm. issue. My issue is with John, the pedophile who decides to use that as a ruse and say, Hey, uh, my name's not John. Now it's Jenny and I'm going to get in there so they can have a little peek at my daughter or my wife. Um, that's why I'm in favor of places like uh, big shopping centers and things like that, having family restrooms and having other facilities that are, are individual. So if people want their privacy, they can have that. We can, so, ac- okay. I want to accommodate as many people as possible. So, so you're saying it's not transgender people wanting to use the appropriate bathroom. What you no, ha- you the problem if, yeah, you right. have is people who are not transgender pretending to be trans, but they can already do that. They can already do. They can already. They can already make themselves look like something different. Right. And do so. That. So let me. So. So it has for, nothing to do with transgender. Well, from what I understand, okay. So if there's a obviously if there's a dude who's in makeup who's and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. Please, please, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to explain myself the best that I can. I'm not being disrespectful. But if there is a guy, what you would qualify as a liar who is a man and he wants to get into the female restroom and I'm Mm -hmm. loitering, so to speak outside the female restroom, waiting for my wife and my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I see John six foot three, John with a wig and makeup heading into the bathroom. There's at one point in time where I could stop him and say, Hey dude, no. So, so what do you, what do you think has to happen here? Do you think somebody has to show you their genitals? No, I, I okay. would not want that. I would, but my so, question is: is how so, do we prevent? How do we prevent that? How, how can we accommodate 
the transgender folks, and I don't mean straight up transgender, uh, because like if if you've truly gone through the surgery and have had the hormones or or the testosterone, whichever, but, the, way but those you aren't went, those aren't even those aren't that's not part of the deal. That's just something that they can do. That's just something anybody can do. Okay, uh, well. We should save the bulk of this this discussion. We're going to have a whole okay. episode on this, and so love yeah, we the can, sinner, we can, love the yeah. sinner, hate the sin. What is what is yeah. your take on that? What is your take on that? So, um, yeah, like exactly what it says. So, like, well, let me ask you, what do you think it means? Um, I think it means that, and 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 again, here when I say you, I'm not talking about you no, personally. I know. Yeah. So know. so uh, so if somebody were to say to me. Oh, I love I I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. What they're saying is, they they see the person doing something that's bad, right? It's like a tough love kind of thing, right? It's it's, um, you know, I I don't want you to do this this bad thing, and so when I tell you to stop it, or if I try to legislate you to not able to do it, or you know, this kind of thing, it's for your own good kind of thing. I'm doing it because I care for you, and I don't want you to, to, to do this destructive thing. I think that's what uh, I think that's what the message is intended to be. And I and I think very often is the case that the person the intention that the person actually feels. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm off base on there or or what it what? Um, slightly. Um, but also, too, I mean, a lot of that's right. I mean, we see this all the time with parents, right, as a parent. Uh, you and I are both parents, and uh, there's obviously behaviors and things that our children do that we mm-hmm. don't uh, don't approve of. And obviously now we have something to say about it because they're minors, right? So so we have a little more say in in what they do. But obviously once they turn eighteen, right, they can do whatever they want, um, mm-hmm. and, and and they can tell us to pound salt. So what we mean by um, love the sin or hate the sin. It, to me, has never had any kind of law restrictions or I'm going to force you to do something. It's mm-hmm. always been in the context of there are certain behaviors that, that, that people do that we don't agree with, but we're not going to see that as who they are. We're going to see mm-hmm. them as made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. We're going to love them as as a person made in the image of God. And mm-hmm. even though we might disagree with them um, or, or not, while we might disagree with a behavior, we still love them. We still want to show love to them. And so love the sinner, hate the sin is just trying to draw a distinction saying, hey, listen, I don't hate you. I don't. Mm-hmm. I may, I might not like something you do, but it doesn't mean that I hate you. Mm-hmm. And th- so that's the distinction that, at least for me, um, ha- is that, that we're trying to make here. That, mm-hmm. that we all do this. There are all things that other people do that we don't like or we don't agree with, but that doesn't mean we can't love them as a person, as an individual. Okay. That's all. And so it has nothing to do with legislating anything over anybody. Other people might use it for that. That's just not the context in which um, I've understood that or I've practiced that is that Mm -hmm. we want to love. We want to love people even when they do stuff that we disagree with. 
Well, let me, I, I got two, two points that I want to bring up about that. One is that um, looking back to many lengthy conversations we've had about morality, one of the things, and I didn't agree with this, but one of the things that you commented about being related to reality, uh, to morality has to do with enforcing and enforceability. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that seems to be at odds with what you just said. No, how do you, not how, do you, how do you mesh those two? Not necessarily, because there's some behaviors um, that um, um, that we might classify as moral or immoral, but that we can't necessarily legislate. Um, um, and that, you know, my my kid, but you um, want to? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, like take I, like take I abortion for make, example. I can't make everybody. Um, hold to Christian values. If you're not mm-hmm. a Christian, why would you hold the Christian values? I can't. I can't so, force you to no, hold. No, but, the- I, but I, I wasn't talking necessarily about Christian values. You said that uh, it was necessary part of a morality of of, a, of an objective basis for morality was the ability and the willingness to enforce it. The enforcement, yes. Mm-hmm. But that's different than what you just said. No, the the difference is is that um, I mean it's it's totally different because there are certain things that that we might not find um, um, pleasing, but that isn't that that I have no ability to legislate. So people, listen. Do I think adultery is good? No, I think it it's morally not good. Mm-hmm. But that's not something I can legislate, I, I, nor can I force people to not cheat okay. on their spouse. I can't, I can't do that. Um, I, although, if I had a friend, say, who but was you, but you sleeping do around, think it's immoral. You do think it's immoral. Yeah, I, I, I even yeah, though it's not something that can be enforced. Um, yeah, it can't be enforced ultimately by me. Mm-hmm. Right? Not not by me. Right? Correct. Well. By anybody, really. Well, it, it could by God. But it's not. True. Okay. So, yeah, that's so that's, that's so, so so that's not part of morality then. Well, you, you think you think it's immoral, but even though it's not enforced and or can't be enforced. No, I think what we're talking about here is 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 ultimate enforcement. When I mean enforcement, I didn't mean that I would be able to enforce it or that uh-huh. I'm talking the standard. That standard could be enforced. But um again, we're talking about all kinds of other things that that okay. would be incorporated in that free will and all kinds of other other things. So okay. that's yeah, that that, would, that's kind that's of that's morality yeah. part five, buddy. That's kind of a, yeah, that's a rabbit hole, and, and I'll I'll <laughs> I'll own that one. My second point, my I said I had two points. The second point is though, um, so how do, how would you feel? Because there are people that feel that indoctrination of children, uh, that that would even that would even say flat out Christianity is harmful, and so you know. What if they wanted to take your kids away because you're doing something harmful to the kids? You, you, I, I dare say that you would be against that. Right. So didn't I say that there were certain things that, that, right, that but can't, if they say, can't if, be enforced that, that, that they disagree well, with? 
Right, but if somebody if somebody was raping their child, I think, well, yeah, I think that I was going to qualify it, but I, that would almost sound more insulting than not qualifying it. <laughs> uh, you would you would want to take the that person's kids away, right? Okay, and so whether or not you are personally able to, or whether whether or not you know you you can, you would you would be in favor of doing that. Yes. Right. So now consider the same situation. Somebody sees you doing something that they see as harmful to your children. How would you feel about them trying to take your kids away or trying to encourage people to take your kids away or or telling you we're going to take your kids away and stuff like that? So uh, what I'm trying to figure out is how this relates to love the sin or hate the sin. Is that are right. you like, I, I, tying it in with that? Yeah. What I'm saying is. What if you were on the receiving end of somebody saying, I don't hate you. I love you. That's why I, I don't want you to be hurting your children this way. Listen, I, I was in that position. I was a drug addict for two years. Mm-hmm. And I had all kinds of people who hated what I did, who went out of their way to try to prevent me from doing what I was doing. How'd you but feel they, at the time? But they still loved me. How did, but how did you feel at the time? Oh, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I didn't okay. care. That's, so, that's what drugs so, do. So you agree. So you agree. So you understood there that, and you agreed that what they were, the thing that they were saying was wrong. You agreed with them that, that, that it was wrong. That's right. not what we're talking about here. We're talking about where one, where one person thinks the other person is doing something wrong and they want to stop or, or they want to encourage them or, you know, anything along the, you know, the spectrum of possible reactions. I want to encourage you to stop it. I want to talk to you against doing it all the way up to the most extreme. You know, I want to imprison you or, or take your kids away from you or, you know, execute right. you or, you know, that kind of, so there's, you know, a wide variety of possibilities, but think about it from that, from that perspective, somebody thinks that you're doing something wrong that you don't think is wrong. In like fact, that you consider kids, to be, well, you, you'd have to something ask you consider what, what core to your ability. Okay, so, so so listen, we we have to figure out. So, are you trying to make the um, are you trying to make the analogy or or trying to make the correlation between, say, um, somebody thinking that it's horrible that um, I'm teaching my kids Christianity that's indoctrination that's child abuse I want to take your kids and. Um, um, some Christian thinks that uh, homosexuality is wrong and we should stop them from um, from that behavior. Right. We want to vote so that they can't get married. We want to prevent them from adopting children. You know, we want to. OK, so, you know, yeah. So there are those certain kind of things. Well, we'd have to ask ourselves, I mean, what kind of behaviors are we talking about? For instance, we, we all have they're all there are all certain laws that discriminate against people all the time. Um, we could only go 35 down my street. I can't go 36 miles. You know, technically, legally, I can't go 30. I have to go 35. That that law is discriminating against um, other things. I mean, there's so there's all kinds of that, laws I don't see that how discriminate. That's discriminating. Well, speed limit is discriminating. Yeah. Well, we're telling people what what they what they can do, what they can and cannot do. Right, but it's still like the same for everybody. You, you know, can't purchase alcohol till you're 21. You can't go above the speed limit. Um, 
you know, th- things like I that. Don't think, I think you're missing my point here. I mi- you're missing my, we were talking about loving the sinner and hating the sin. You're, you you mm-hmm. made it clear that there was a difference between the two. Yes. Okay. And so, but you take it very personally when somebody does the same to you. Okay. Right. In, and, 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 I'm, and I'm way? not saying, in and, what way? I, and I'm, well, you've reacted very strongly. You take it very personally if somebody attacks Christianity. And that's because um, yeah, Christianity well. is definitely is part of is part of what you. So what I'm saying is that think about it from the perspective of somebody else. Okay, if you say I love the sinner, I hate the sin. You're still your actions are still against that person's something that's vitally important to them, something that's their identity. Okay, if if you if you go to a a ballot place and you vote against gay marriage. Okay, mm-hmm. then what you're doing is you're you're telling you're saying with your vote that they shouldn't be able to do that, right? And so then you're but you're saying, well, we we want to, you know, it's it, I still love you. I just want to take away this right from you. Well, because it's, I it's, because I think it's wrong that you should have it. Well, th- that's again, that's a whole nother topic. You're you're claiming something. Um, is a right. You're automatically assuming that that's a right. And that's, like I said, that's for a whole different topic. Listen, I had no problem with uh, homosexuals being, you know, I just don't want to be involved in the religious ceremony. Mm -hmm. Just don't force me to be involved in their religious ceremony. Yeah, I don't think anybody is doing that. I don't yeah, think, they are. I don't think, they're forcing I don't think bakers. Anybody is suspect- they're they're forcing bakers to bake cakes for their wedding. They're forcing photographers to um to go to their right. wedding. That's they're, a different. That's something different. How, nope. how they're forcing people to go against their religious convictions, right? Where they could they could get that product somewhere else, but they're saying no. You have to come. See, the and difference is my beliefs. You have to the, come. Go ahead. No, no, it doesn't have anything to do with affirming your beliefs. Okay, selling somebody a cake is not affirming their beliefs. If if you'll sell the exact same cake to one couple, but not to another couple, then the distinguishing factor between that's that's deciding you is the couple. Is okay? the religious ceremony? Is the type of ceremony? When you're doing a ceremony, you're saying things, you're you're expressing things. Okay, that's different than making a cake. It's not like they mm-hmm. wanted to make. They wanted to. Uh, you have to make the cake uh, say, "Gay people are the best and Christians suck." Okay, so you, it's you not like that. I would be. I would support not making a baker put that kind of thing on a cake. But if it's the identical wedding cake. And the only difference is this couple, I don't agree with, you know, I don't approve of their, their wedding and this couple I do, then that's discrimination. That's prejudice. That's not, you know, that has nothing to do with the cake. It has nothing, you know, has, you know, once somebody buys something, it's theirs, right? It's so it's not, you're not supporting that, you know, their decisions or anything. You're providing a service. And well, that's this it. is, again, this and is we have probably laws. a whole, this is probably a whole new episode. Um, this is definitely a rabbit trail because we could, t- you, this is definitely a whole episode that's involved in this. So, <laughs> I mean, it is. It I, is. I'm not, I'm not trying You're- to skirt this stuff. I'm just trying to stop us because this, we, it'll be three no, in the morning la- before we're yeah. done. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm looking at our outline here and we're about halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should break this up into two. What do you think? 
Um, well, I think let's just kind of uh, let's because just kind of, let's touch on the rest of these points. I think we can push through this. So let's okay. okay. So we're gonna, we're going to we're going to address the whole homophobia, transphobia thing a little later. Right. So nationalism, yeah. right? So go ahead. What's nationalism? So uh, technically, it's identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of interests of other nations. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes we see this um, um, played out like uh, the USA uh, against um, Middle Eastern countries or something of that nature, or Mm -hmm. uh, USA and um, uh, Mexico or something like that. So, okay. We often see people who um, who take pride in, um, but see, I think this is a little different because when you talk about to the exclusion or mm-hmm. the detriment of the interest of other nations, I guess my question would be: Don't we all do that? Don't all shouldn't all countries kind of look out for number one first and then? help other people. I mean, I hear it all the time, like, Hey, we're fighting all these wars. Why can't we stop fighting these wars over there and then spend more money on our veterans, mm-hmm. you know, on our people. And so right. I guess, I don't know if I would consider that nationalism, mm-hmm. but, but I don't know. What would you, um, what do you think about this whole idea of nationalism or well, uh, support of one's own country? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, uh- I mean, it's nationalism in some cases is used synonymously with patriotism. Okay. And, and, mm-hmm. and patriotism is one thing and whether or not you, George Carlin had this famous bit about patriotism. He was like, how can you be proud of something that was just totally a random chance? You have no, you know, it's not like you accomplished being Irish, you know, that kind of thing, but th- that's a, you know, a side issue. Um, I'm not against patriotism. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm proud to be an American and I'm, I'm happy to, um, make, you know, do what I can to, you know, to make the country a good place. But there's a difference between uh, patriotism and nationalism. And, and and I didn't know this, but um, I did a little bit of research and I I saw that I found this on the Merriam Webster uh, page and it was a little side bit about nationalism. And, and uh, here's, they had an article about it. And here's one paragraph out of it. It says, these two words may have shared the distinct, uh, a distinct sense in the 19th century, but appear to have grown apart since. Or rather, it would be more accurate to say that nationalism has grown apart. So what they were saying is um, they shared kind of the same gist, you know, yeah. back in the 19th century. But languages evolve and change as they do. Um, but uh, and so they've been, they've been growing apart. And so uh, nationalism has kind of let me see, where did I leave off here? Uh, there are still obvious areas of overlap. We define patriotism as, quote, love for, or devotion for one's country uh, and nationalism in part as loyalty and devotion to a nation. But the definition of nationalism also includes exalting one nation above all others and placing primary emphasis on promotion of its culture and interests as opposed to those of other nations or supranational groups. And so, in other words, like you said, you know, watching out for number one is part of it. But it's also promoting, not not necessarily promoting, but more of like a like a in an, an imperial kind of sense. Do you know? Do you know what I mean when I say that? It's like uh, um, you know, spreading one's culture. Like we want to make the world be like us, kind of thing. And and that's not necessarily what a nationalist is thinking, but that's kind of the flavor of the 
of of that. You know, we're better than you kind of thing. It's not just right. uh, it's not just we're going to, um, you know, we're going to trade with you because we we got kids to feed kind of thing. It's like, you know, we're you know, this is the way things have to be or, or taking priority over um, like you know, NATO or UN, you know, organizations where there's a bunch of countries working together and nationalism as a word, uh, you know, it, it can go a bunch of different ways. There's clearly some flavors of the word that include things like, uh, racism and xenophobia and that kind of stuff. Um, not all of them do, but very often it does. And, 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 recently in the United States, it's kind of been tied to like white nationalism and that kind of thing. And the idea of, you know, boy, you know, things were so much good when, when, you know, we were all white people, but now, you know, white America is becoming a minority. We're on the verge of, of, of being a minority in the United States. And, and, you know, that frightens some people, not everybody and not just, you know, Jamie and his family. <laughs> okay. Right, right. It's a, you know, it, there's, you know, there's people all over the place that are, are nervous and, you know, things change and, ch- and change can be frightening. Um, right. But I don't know. I, 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 it was interesting to me to, to see that, you know, there was a time when these two words, patriotism and nationalism yeah. were used synonymously. And in some ways now they're opposites. They're, they're antonyms. Now they're, you know, one might say, um, if you believe in an America that's e pluribus unum, right? So that's our original, you know, national motto. Um, that's that means one thing. That you know, the the melting pot, right? It was you know people yeah. coming from other countries, and and we're making a better life for ourselves. But now, um, you know, the idea is okay. We want to put up walls. We don't want to be infected by you know these other groups and that kind of thing. And so, and again. Not all, I, you know, I'm not paint, trying to paint everybody with that brush. There's right. certainly a million different shades of gray, you know, as, as much as there is for individuals. But I just, I just thought that, w- that, that was an interesting kind of twist yeah, on that. I, and I and think almost, that is, uh, almost ironic. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I could see how, and man, I think recently too, like uh, Webster has got to be rolling over in his grave just so, all the changes, you know, all the words, <laughs> the, the new words, uh, the mm-hmm. changes in words. And uh, just to see, even in my lifetime, um, how in, in 41 years, how words have changed and certain meanings have taken on different connotations and different, uh, different things like that. I've always thought of nationalism. I've never saw it as a bad thing because I always mm-hmm. saw it as patriotism on steroids. Like, hey, I think our country's the best. Not in terms of, you know, hey, only American lives matter, but in mm-hmm. terms of like just proud that we live mm-hmm. in America, that we have a free society, that we that we that we you know want to eradicate. Uh, prejudice and that we want to do these things and that we're championing the causes of all these other things. And it just mm-hmm. kind of a, a pride thing or, a, um, Hey, the world's got problems, but we should, we should do our best to mind to our own problems first. Mm-hmm. So I saw that a kind of as being, a nationalism not so much some of those negative connotations and some of those things that you were talking about you know mm-hmm. um to the detriment of other countries like i you know i i of course i i don't know i i don't know i just i don't see this as a huge problem though not compared to some of the other ones 
um, on our list, at least not currently. Okay. So uh, let's move on to religious prejudice. Uh, this okay. is just a dislike or prejudice against people from other religions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, let's move on well. to atheists in America. <laughs> well, well, obviously, reli- there you know, there's you know, religions are form uh, formed from religious individuals, right? And so, you know, human beings have have prejudice, and you know, that's something that's a a thread that's been coming up over and over and over again in each of these different sections. And so, you yep. know, we shouldn't be surprised that there's warring and fighting and you know, unspeakable things happening in the name of religion. Uh, you know, pretty much any religion you can find is going to have, um, you know, overzealous, violent right. people in it. And most religions will have some people that are just the the coolest people you've ever known. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, some of the, some of my favorite people ever are are Christians, and some, you know, and, and I've had, I've lived, I, I, I lived in uh, West Africa when I was in the Peace Corps. I lived with a Muslim family. Everybody around me was Muslim. And so, yeah. you know, there was some, uh, a, a quick story here. I know, I know we're, we're, I know we're going into the, you know, the marathon uh, episode <laughs> here today. Just a quick story of just the coolest thing. One of the coolest things that happened to me when I was in, uh, when I was in the Peace Corps. And there was, there was a night that, um, I was having some kind of, it turned out to be, it was like an anxiety attack. You know, it was just, you know, you're there, you're, you're kind of isolated. You know, I was in the middle of a bunch of people that I didn't know. And, um, and, you know, that's really the main thing that, that these volunteers deal with is the isolation. And um, so I I was having what turned out to be an anxiety attack, but I was having chest pains and so on. And, and um, so I was able to get to a phone and call, the Peace Corps office and they were going to come pick me up and they were going to, you know, have me checked out. Um, But while I was waiting for them to come pick me up, the father of the compound that I was living in, um, he, he, and he and I could communicate, he could speak a little bit of English and I could speak a little bit of the local languages. um, But, um, but I was, I was part of his family. You know, I was part of his family. He sat out with me uh, waiting for the car with a bow and arrow. (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. He sat there with a bow and arrow and he told me he was protecting me from bandits. Wow. And I just thought, I just thought this is the most surreal moment of my life. And it was, right. I was sitting there with this, you know, 60 year old African man with a bow and arrow. And That's it, it was just, That's it was just, great. and, and just the, it was touching and it was crazy and and it was you know yeah. and I was worried that I was going to have a heart attack and they didn't and they didn't and it was just right. the weirdest the weirdest thing maybe maybe even the weirdest moment of my life but anyway yeah um so what were we what did I totally distract us from here <laughs> no that what was a we cool story about? we were talking oh, about we were talking religious. about religious prejudice yeah, right, okay yeah so right. so his family was Muslim and so they but and so and so part of their faith was that they had a strong uh, um they, they welcomed me into the family and as one of them, even though I was from someplace else. And so, um, it's, that's, that's part of the frustrating thing is this, you know, watch out for me first, right? Didn't Jesus say, if somebody tries to steal your jacket, you know, give them your cloak too, 
or something along those lines? Is that I don't mean to spring a surprise uh, Bible verse on you here. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to make you itchy, trigger finger there. I, I'm sorry if I had a trigger finger earlier. But wasn't that uh, wasn't that a message there? You know, if somebody. Yeah, the, well, part I mean, of it is, it is turn the other cheek and, and didn't things he like, like hang that, out but, with the, you know, with the beggars and the lepers and the outcasts. Yeah, and I yeah, mean, he, wasn't that part he, of the thing? Wasn't that part of his women, whole idiom yeah, there? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of women too. Yeah. I mean, that part yeah. of it was that. Um, so how does that, that mesh with that nationalism idea? Um, I don't mean, I don't mean like, um, um, look out for number one, like to the detriment of other people. And I don't mean look out for number one in terms of we shouldn't help anybody else. I mean, my church is a huge supporter in world missions. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people tie in like missionaries with, um, uh, you know, uh, prophetizing and, and just spreading the gospel. But man, the missionaries that, I, that, 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 that I know and that we support, I mean, they're the kind that are, 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 are building, schools and hospitals and i mean it's it's part of their assimilating into these other cultures and so like Mm -hmm. i'm all for um um sacrifice and sacrificing of of myself for um for other people and things like that i think that that's something that uh jesus would definitely promote and i'm Mm -hmm. not saying that i am for nationalism in the mm-hmm. in the bad sense just when i say look out for number one i'm just thinking that um that and i wasn't even necessarily saying it for 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 myself but a, a lot of people just see that as like there's a lot of people that are in need right here mm-hmm. and that that we should maybe help those people first before we help other people and mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I'm not saying that, that I even advocate that. I, I don't know. I think there's probably a balance of helping your own people with helping other people in other places. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we do in my home. That's what we do in my church. Um, we do a lot of outreaches in the city of Columbus, but we're also sending, uh, you know, money all over the world for for all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. To help other people. So I didn't mean nationalism in terms of look out for number one as a selfish kind of thing. Um, and, and more as just, uh, hey, wouldn't it make more sense to, you know, take care of, you know, the people in our own backyard kind of thing that there's a lot of people that see that as nationalism. And like I said, I'm not I, I, I didn't mean it in terms of like, uh, uh, we need to be selfish kind mm-hmm. of thing Sac- but okay. I, I'm, because I think we could sacrifice for people here at home too mm-hmm. you know like we have a lot of veterans that 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 are struggling with certain things that could sure use some help and um, so I think that 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 would be a good thing and that it doesn't mean that we aren't sacrificing it just means we're sacrificing here rather than but I'm not even okay for that I'm not even for that like I'm, I'm for also helping aiding other countries being involved in other other countries and things like that but not just for the sake of the other countries but also I think right. too that ultimately that helps us as well and that's not a bad thing so so setting your so not talking about you in specific but do you do you see how that could be seen as a mixed message that um that Jesus said that we should love other people but 
we should no, take it care was of our more own? than just we should love other people. He said, at least the way that I read it, is that you should give to help other people first before yourself. You should give that if they if they if they want to, if they try to steal your jacket, you give them also your you say keep it, and then you give them your cloak too. It's like you know, it's giving you you of of caring for the other people first before and then deal and then you know for yourself to to a certain extent but i mean there's also places in the bible where it talks about if 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 the if 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 the person like for me my home if my home is in chaos um that i shouldn't be out helping and doing for all kinds of other people if i if i'm not doing for my wife and my children first you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there's other verses in the Bible that talk about. So, I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, I see your point. It's a legitimate point that as Christians, we're called to be, to live uh, sat, uh, self-sacrificial lifestyles. Um, and that the whole nationalism could be seen as some kind of um, meshing uh, or not meshing, but some kind of contradictory or clashing, uh, you know, two kind of thoughts clashing. But again, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the selfish kind of, okay. Hey, you know, let's just j- uh, me, you and, and, and no more. How's that go? How's that me, you and a few or something like that? Or you, me and no more. Or, I have no I, idea I, I, what you're uh, talking about. There's, there's some kind of uh, fancy okay. saying that it's just basically like you and me and, no more <laughs> kind of thing. And that's, that's not what I advocate. That's not what I think, but I mean, I can't okay. see how people would, would maybe see that, but I think that they probably shouldn't stereotype. Maybe they should <laughs> ask some questions. That's Did a great ask- idea. That's a great idea. Hi, this is Scott busting into the conversation here. Um, I just need to do a quick little explanation of what Jamie and I are about to talk about. It was uh, just a little a thing that happened on social media. I had uh, responded to a friend's post, and, and she had on her post, there was a picture of a bunch of pieces of toast, and she said something along the lines of, uh, you know, this is what science nerds do when they get a new toaster. And so then my question to her was, oh, well, what was their conclusion? And she said, you mean, don't you mean, what was your conclusion? And then I realized, oh, you mean you were one of the science nerds. And so the idea was that um, there was some kind of implied sexism in my comment. And, and so um, after you know, a brief uh, couple of comments between the two of us, uh, I, I paused for a second and I thought about it. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I was being sexist there. And so, um, well, and then Jamie and I talk about it here. There was only that one about your experience. Do you don't remember that? I don't remember. You said a science. What I don't remember. remember what you, that. Uh, the Cliff Notes version was this. Um, obviously, you could if you want to edit all this out. You can. So you were um, you. I think you were on Facebook and you saw a lady who posted um, some kind of project and um, kind of assumed that it was her son's. And you mentioned, oh, what was his conclusion? Oh, and then right. she jumped on yeah. you about what you don't think I could do it, blah, blah, blah. right? And yeah. and then that didn't even bother me. The fact that she did that, I get that. That's happening all the time. That drives me crazy, but not as much as your reaction. You hmm. like your reaction was, huh? Maybe I was, and I'm like, 
No, you weren't. You <laughs> thought it was her sons. Like, of all people, Scott, you of all people, like, you were the most. No, like, I, I th- you know, was- like. You, like, at least in the moment, you were expressing to me this thought of, like, maybe I was. And I'm like, no, are you you out of your mind? I could see somebody accusing me of this, but not you. No, I'm I'm saying I didn't come to the conclusion that I was. But just because I paused and wanted to check myself, to me, that was the important thing. And I think I I just thought that was... Well, even even if it's true that it's ridiculous that I would ever think that, I still think it's important to stop and check and say, wait a minute, am I really doing that? And then I, I came to the decision that I don't think I was. Well, like self-reflection is good. Like as a Christian, man, I, I'm always self-reflecting. Like, where am I wrong? What, you know, how can right. I be more like, geez, all that kind of stuff. But okay. like, like, like you knew your intentions Right off the bat, you thought her kid did it, and so right. you, you you had actually I, absolutely. I, actually, I I thought that her daughter did it. Yeah, that's it. And so, like, yeah. you had absolutely no like there was. So it was like the intent, like your intent was not even a hundred percent. It was a thousand percent innocent and um, just curious and and like. But but it just kind of shows how far we've come that like we have this like uh, instinctive like I'm going to throw that- myself in the fetal position because <laughs> I, I may have looked at somebody wrong. I'm like, I've got a crooked eye. I look at everybody no. wrong. You but, know, but right. <laughs> you use that all the time, don't you? I, I bet do. you use that. You I use do. That. Okay. I- but no, but I- here was my point, though. My point was that she was seeing it from a different perspective. She wasn't looking inside. Yeah, she, I mean, she was, uh, you know, a, a, a casual friend. I mean, we're not like close friends or anything, but we were in Peace Corps together. So we knew each other from there. And so, but, and she, she, and we've been interacting online, you know, periodically, you know, since, you know, for the last few years. So she knew enough of me to, to know that it probably, you know, that I, I think it, when she sit down, sat down and thought about it, she didn't realize or, or she she thought that that probably wasn't the case, but that was her perspective. I mean, that was but no, that's it was what, her. But that's her, the kind of thing that that's the kind first, of thing that she gets all day. But her first thought was, right? He's, it's got to be sexist. Like, uh, man, like I, I don't know. No. To me, that just seemed like, like um, I, I don't know. It just seemed like that was her first reaction. Like, I, I don't. Maybe but right, I was your first. Your first reaction is your conditioned reaction. And this is actually something further down on the line. So maybe we could jump ahead to this. Because yeah, she didn't your, have to respond to that, though. Your, like, your, you first, know. your first reaction is a, is, a, is a conditioned response. Okay. That's, um, I think, uh, in one of our past episodes, I recommended the book Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, by Daniel Kahneman. And so that was, that's, what he, that's what he was talking about. You, you have, we have our fast knee-jerk reactions. And, and, and that's, you know, part of our brain does that fast thinking. And that's where a lot of these prejudices and, and stereotypes come from is this fast, thoughtless, uh, irrational, knee jerk reaction kind of thing. That, so, and that's your first reaction. But then when you sit down and think about it, that's your, your reasonable and your rational uh, self coming in. So, so when I said that to her, what, you know, it, it, it was not a rational response, or at least I don't think it was. And, 
um, her, her first reaction was why, why couldn't I be, you know, why couldn't I be the one who, who was interested in the science and turned out it was, it was, it was her. And I think her husband or her and a friend of hers who were talking about this science, uh, something they did. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was now. Shoot. I wish I would have, uh, researched that a little bit, but anyway, um, but yeah, so, so her first reaction was, well, why couldn't it be me? I'm a woman, you know, what, you know, what's the problem with that? And, and yeah, she said that. Um, I, but I, it was either in that same comment or in a subsequent comment where she said, well, but I know you, you know, now that I think about it, you know, I don't think that your reaction is that way, but I don't begrudge her for saying that. I mean, that's that, it, that show to me, I view that as not her accusing me of anything. For but one her, thing, you don't for one see thing, that. I, I, I don't sorry, think she was, I don't think she was accusing anything. I, I don't think she was accusing me of anything, but even if she was, I'm in the position where I don't really have to care if she's going to accuse me of anything, well, but that's it, not what I, it but I don't think she when, was. Uh, it sounded when you first mentioned it, it sounded like she, it, it, it was, it, it wasn't as accusatory. Well, kind of, it, it almost sounded like it was when you yeah. initially had, had mentioned yeah. it. But my thing is, 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 but that was her conditioned response. I get that. That's right. the scary thing. Is that was oh, her first conditioned response? Is that it had to be? But it's not. It's um, not some conditioned kind of discrimination or something. It, you know, it, it's not conditioned because people keep telling her that you know girls don't do this. It's because people don't expect her to to do those kind of things. It's not. It's a. It's a. It's a conditioned response. It's not conditioned by somebody that sat down and talked to her and taught her this thing. It's. It's. That's the kind of world she lives in is that's the way she's treated. That's the conditioning there is that is that, you know, she's she in, in her world, people don't expect that from her, you know, often enough for for her to respond differently. So and so, what I, you, so um, I and, and and my first reaction was kind of defensive. And, and again, that's my conditioned response. If she's going to say that, is she accusing me of being sexist? And and at first, I thought I, I you know, I almost sat down and, and responded, and say, "What are you talking about? You know, you know me better than that. You don't need to say that kind of thing to me." But then I checked myself, and I, and you know, um, that that's that's her that's her experience. And 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 she later said, like I said, either later in the that comment or or in a later comment, she said, "Yeah, I, I didn't." think that was you but i can't begrudge her of of her experience you know she's just sharing me sharing so, with me something of of her life and so that, i guess and, my question I, though I, is I, I how much of that. that experience how much of that experience is legitimate and how much of that experience is just um um it's a hundred percent legitimate it just depends on what you think it, well, it's what it's no, what, what it's I, saying oh what, what what yeah what i meant by that is no i wasn't saying that you were is that yeah. is that is that she, you know she's had all these experiences that she has interpreted as being um sexist or or whatever how many of those really were and how many did she just interpret as that being the case and I'm not huh. taking away from that. I'm not taking any experience away from her. I'm just right. saying we've gotten to the point now, I think, in our society where everything that is put out there, um, people automatically interpret it in the worst possible sense, in the worst possible way. And so they could say, well, I've been discriminated against all the time. Well, 
in a lot of these instances, you can go back and go, that wasn't discrimination at all. It was just perceived or whatever. Uh-huh. And that's not taking away from any real discrimination. I mean, make me like really clear. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to take away from anybody's legitimate and even perceived. Like I, I get it. Like I, I, and I, and I get it, and I don't get it. Right. So like I understand, but I don't necessarily know if I can empathize because I'm a white male. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, and I don't mean that, and I'm not being derogatory. I'm being legitimate. I do realize what? that I don't walk, I, I don't, I don't face discrimination like other people do, I or, or prejudice and things like that. Like other, I get that. I understand that. Well, well, let me, let me, let me, let me sum it up this way. And and, and it was an interesting, it was an interesting back and forth, um, and. Uh, I, I, I actually learned something about myself from it. And, and it was, it was interesting for me to see. I just, I don't know. I just, I just found it interesting, but it was, I, I, at the end of the day, I viewed it as I just got a peek of somebody else's life, a tiny little peek of what it's like to be yeah. that other person that I normally wouldn't get. And so, and so I appreciated that. And I, um, actually I, I asked her if she, <laughs> if, if I could share the story on, um, uh, on the podcast. Uh, what I think we should do here is let's just, uh, I, I just want to do a brief bit about, uh, what does the existence of prejudice say about your worldview? Yeah. Is do you mind if we just jump straight to no, the last thing? And sounds then good to it? me. Okay. Yep. Then, uh, so <clears throat> what I wanted to ask you is, so we, we, we've been talking about uh, prejudice and stereotypes and all this kind of stuff. And, and clearly from both of our reactions to much of what, what has happened, it's a, <laughs> it's something that, that, that stabs to the core of yes. us as an individuals and us as groups within, within society and as a society as a whole. And so, um, what, how do you, uh, think about, uh, you know, how does this fit into a Christian perspective on the world? Like the existence of this thing called prejudice. Right. Um, well, it fits nicely in this way that as a Christian, I believe that we all have uh, a proclivity to do what's wrong. We just, you know, don't have to teach a kid how to be selfish. You know, like we all have a a proclivity to do those things that are wrong. And I, you know, I Mm -hmm. I mentioned, I think one other time, maybe of, you know, if, if you had a giant uh, flat screen projection TV above your head that that Mm -hmm. it was hooked up to your brain and and portrayed every image, uh, everything that you thought in HD uh, quality image, would you ever leave your home? And everybody's like, no. Because I think it just shows um, our our sin nature and, uh-huh. and just our proclivity to kind of do those things that maybe we we ought not do. And so uh-huh. I, I think as as Christians, the idea of of prejudice is that it, it, I think that I think a case could be made, and I haven't made it yet, but I, I think I could that um, that that God loves all people that we are all made in the image of God and that we should treat people with uh, as much uh, respect and as much kindness as we can. And we shouldn't uh, be prejudiced at all. But Uh just the fact that we are prejudiced, I think speaks to us and our, our proclivity to sin. Hmm. Interesting. So you think this was intentional that we'd be like this? 
No, I think that any time that you have free moral agents, we'll have freedom of the will. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we have, uh, if we have the ability to love, then we, then we have to have that ability, um, for free choice. And, and, and we're naturally hmm. going to find ourselves, uh, doing things we ought not, um, mm-hmm. because that, that we, we have those choices and we're capable mm-hmm. of making them. Yeah. That's interesting. I think we, what got, do you think uh, about, uh, naturalism? Um, well, I was, I was going to say, I think we have a seed for, you know, exploring the whole free will issue and sin and all that stuff. And so we'll have to make a note of, of maybe doing an episode on that. As far as, uh, as far as my perspective on, on, on prejudice, it, it's totally expected behavior. Um, yeah. You've mentioned before that we are, you know, hyperactive pattern, you know, pattern spotters, right? And so if we think yeah. about it in terms of, uh, if, we, if we think of it in terms of evolutionary history, you know, for the vast majority of human evolutionary history, we lived in small clans, right? So small groups of pe- family groups, basically. Uh-huh. And so for most, for most of the early humans and proto humans and, er, you know, early hominids and, and so forth for most of their lifetimes, everybody that they would ever see was in their family. Yeah. You know, on, only on rare occasions would they, would they come would they encounter other groups. And in those cases, when they did encounter other groups, they, they were the them. enemy, right? right? Cause there was, there was a, <laughs> there was a competition for resources and it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, we didn't have the lavish lifestyles that we do now. It was a, it was a day-to-day thing. If, if you, if, if they kill you, then your family dies. Right. And right. if you kill yeah. them, then, you know, then you have, you have more. And so, um, so it makes sense, you know, every, so people that you see every day, you protect, you, you identify with you, uh, you know, they, it makes for a tighter knit group. Uh, if, if there, if there's that prejudice there and for the other, if there's somebody that you don't recognize or you don't see, maybe they look different, maybe they sound different, maybe they smell different, who know, you know, you know, there's all these different kinds of differences. And so we, we would expect that we would expect that. And so the, and, and it's, it's also, uh, uh, a property of, of evolution or just a, a happenstance, a quirk of ever of, of evolution is that we have a tendency to, um, overreact in fact um you know uh selection pressure rewards people who overreact because if you're going to err if you're going to make an error it's better to you know the better safe than sorry kind of situation right yeah. and so it so it'll fade because because we're going to make mistakes one way or the other and so if we're already erring in one direction then even if we make a slight mistake in the other direction we're still okay you know what i mean yeah yeah. And, and, uh, and so to me, you know, it, it seems like an inevitable, uh, uh, product of, of selective pressure and of, of natural selection. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Do you have any last words on this? Ooh, well, you know what? Prejudice is a, is a real thing. Obviously from this podcast, um, our listeners will be able to tell that it is, uh, something that is, is both, for you and I, um, of, of a topic of interest and, and, um, you know, uh, for me, you know, I'm dealing with these things every day, not that I'm being discriminated against, but, you know, I guess both you and I are both deal with this all the time too, because we're discussing with other people and we're talking to other people. And so, um, mm-hmm. there's some, just some, 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 um, 
I guess, just some real emotion wrapped up into this. Because like oh, you yeah. mentioned earlier, it has a lot to do with our identity, who we are, who we see we are, who we see other people are. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I think that, that was this was a good uh, discussion, even though yeah. it, it went long. I think that um, um, we righted the ship for wh- wh- whatever that's worth. Well, uh, I think this would be a good place to wrap this up. I'm sure these yeah. topics will come up again. And, yes, uh, they right. will. Prejudice. And that does it for prejudice. There we go. In, in the books. All right. So that was the second half of part the, the prejudice, right? Part two of the of the prejudice talk. And and um, you know, I think like like we said before, like, um, when we were coming into the discussion, how um, I think this will spark. Uh, other conversations. And so we, mm-hmm. we certainly want to welcome anybody listening. Uh, if you have any, any kind of commentary you'd like to add and please uh, let us know at email at God or not podcast.com. And we, we'd love to hear other opinions. We like, we like talking to each other, but we also like to hear other people too. Yes. So, uh, so we do want to invite uh, further conversation. Uh, and so I think what we'll do now, and, and this would be kind of a palate cleanser um, for now. And that is a, a light little thing that we like to call spin the wheel. So here we go with spin the wheel. Spin that wheel. Okay. So we're spinning the wheel here and this is uh, this is one of our fun bits. I think we get to, we cover a wide kind of a wide swath yes. of, of topics and and the thing about this is we don't know what the other person is going to ask us and so it's all yeah, off the cuff right. and it's all it's all uh, ready to roll so uh, let's spin the wheel and see what Jamie's going to be right, talking baby, about tonight. Something I know, come on! Something I know. All right, Jamie, your topic today is the American Constitution, oh. the American Constitution. So the question I have for you is, uh, I'm, I imagine that you're familiar with the First Amendment mm-hmm. that uh, guarantees the freedom of religion. So and I, uh, I want to hear your opinion on the separation of church and state. And so I want to, I want you to, I want to basically what I'm asking is, do you feel like it has a place in the United States? Do you feel it's important to the core values of the United States? And specifically, I would like to hear uh, basically two answers from you. One is an American and one is a Christian. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you would place your Christianity having priority over your Mm -hmm. status as an American. Mm-hmm. And so, so to kind of take all that in mind, I'm not trying to push your, you in one particular direction. I really right. just want to get an idea of your thoughts on this. And so, um, let's start the timer. Okay. Here we go. Such a big topic, uh, separation of church and state. I, I think that, uh, what our founding fathers were interested in is not, was not necessarily, Hey, we have to keep religion out of everything. It was, hey, we just left a place that told us what religion we had to practice, and we don't want that. And so I think that their ideas were more or less not that we couldn't have religion in the state, but that we would keep the state out of religion that the state couldn't mandate. And that's why I am – people will be surprised by this, but I'm against school prayer. I mean, Hmm. if you're in a Christian school, fine. 
You're in a Christian mm-hmm. school. And if you send your kid to a Christian school, you know they're going to be praying. That's how it works. But if it's a public school, I, mm-hmm. I don't think they should mandate some kind of prayer. Uh, you know, if my kid went to a school in a, in a Middle Eastern country and they expected them to get out their rug and, and pray five times towards Mecca, I would not be happy with that. I would not be hmm. happy with that. But I think what, a lot of times what happens is when people say there's a separation of church and state, what they're saying is, hey, you can't have your values influence your decisions. And I think that's hogwash. Everybody's beliefs, everyone's worldview influences their decisions. And a Christian is 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 just the same. I mean, what is core of me is is going to influence my decisions. It's going to uh, help the trajectory of where I'm at. So I think separation of church and state is a good thing, but it, it isn't what it means to a lot of people, which is we can't have any kind of religious connotations in anything. Man, that was that was a long ticker. Like I thought it was going to be over sooner. <laughs> so, you, so you only took a minute and fifty-seven seconds. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to take that yeah. three seconds back at some right. point. I'm sure you're going to bank it. You're going to bank that's, that. That's right. Yes. I think you're still working off of your I, time I probably debt am. from past. Uh, I, I, <laughs> that's I probably, okay. Yeah, that's, all, that's probably not a good, good thing, man. Then. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's all good. good all right. Um, okay. Well, I think we got lots of. Uh, I think that maybe could be the spark of maybe some future talks as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I want to, I want to see what you have for me. So let's spin the wheel. All right, here we go. Okay, Scott, yours landed on well, I guess a theological category here. My question to you has to do with sin, the concept okay. of sin. So. To define sin would be just kind of a a moral wrongdoing. Um, My question to you is, um, how do you feel about sin? How do you feel about feeling um, guilty? Because you and I both agree objective moral values exist. What do you feel like? Where do you think this idea of guilt comes from? Um, um, And do you feel a need to confess sin or ask for forgiveness? Um, like, how does that weigh on you, if, mm-hmm. if, if at all? If at all. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's hit the timer. Okay. So, uh, first of all, if we can define sin, um, depending on how you define it, I might not think it's a thing. Like, some people would say that sin is disobeying God, right? And obviously... I don't believe there's a God, and so right. if that's how you're, if that's what you mean by sin, then I don't think sin is a, an actual thing. But you said that you, you're, you're, we're treating sin as like some kind of moral wrongdoing and that kind yeah. of thing. You mentioned specifically about guilt, and so, uh, so yeah, obviously, I, you know, I'm a human too. I feel guilty sometimes when I do something bad. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with. Uh, with social pressure that that has to do with the idea that, um, you know, if you look back into our evolutionary history, you know, we have uh, social responsibilities to each other. And those those derive out of the fact that 
um, you know, as social animals, we were more successful if we if we work together. We're more successful if we have harmony in our family or in our clan. We're more successful if we can set aside issues like that. And so I think, um, you know, I think our, our sense of guilt, I think it just it's, it stems from that. I think it, it derives from that. I think in the past, you know, if you had maybe two clans that are kind of competing for the same thing, if one of them uh, had had more social harmony because they did things to make amends to each other when they wronged each other, they did things to patch things up that, you know, the whole idea of guilt is that you want to try to fix it, that you want to try to air it out. You want to try to, you know, become a better person as a result of that. And so I, I think uh, in terms of, you know, the guilty feelings, do I feel the need to confess my sins? I, I don't know if I'd put it that way. And I'm going to go over time here. I'm going to take your three seconds. Go ahead. Um, uh, I, I don't think, you know, depending on what you mean by do you feel the need to confess? I don't, I don't feel like I need to like, like the Catholic version of confession. You know, I don't need to go to a stranger and tell them my sins and have them give me absolution and penance and that kind of thing. Um, you know, but I have a conscience. And so if, if I were to do something bad to somebody, I would feel, I would feel better if I, if I told them about it and, and, and if we were able to, to make, make amends, you know, so that I, the idea is that I don't want to do it again and so on. So I don't know if, if, I hope that answers at least the yeah, bulk of was, your question th- there. Yeah, that that seems to be pretty par for the course for a naturalist, you know? Like that's oh. kind of what I expected you to answer, but of course I wasn't right. sure. That's why I asked okay. you. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that's the whole point of spin, spin the wheel. The wheel. Okay, the wheel has been spun. And now we're ready to move on to our last bit that we're going to do for this episode. And this will be a continuation of the, of our, I guess what we're calling the God or not book club. I, I suppose the name, kinda, club. the name is kind of, the name is kind of stuck for for, stuck. Uh, for a while now. So we're, so we're stuck with it. But in this, in this case, we're talking, this will be our second installment of the book club. And uh, well, let's just get rolling on that. So this is uh, the God or not book club. This is the God or Not Biggest Book Club Meeting in the World. All right, so here we are with the second installment of the God or Not Book Club. Book Club! Book Club. I feel and like there been... should be some kind of... Like some kind of, I don't know, some kind of... Why don't you look little... into that? Why don't you look into it? We can have a Book Club uh, theme song or something. Yeah, right. Okay. Make sure it's free, though. Make sure it's royalty-free. Yeah, so. That's right. Um, so we've been reading uh, Richard Carrier's book, Sense and Goodness Without God. And so now we're, we're getting a little ways into it. And so we're starting to get into some of the meat, I think. Uh, so for this time, we read, uh, so last time we read chapter one, which was an introduction, and chapter two, which was kind of like his, his personal history and that kind of stuff. And in this one, we're starting to talk about metaphysical naturalism. And mm-hmm. so... Um, so, so we did the first half of chapter three. Chapter three was kind of a lengthy one. And we've been going, I don't know, about 60 ish pages uh, for each of these little installments. Um, and so he starts out, he talks about, you know, what is a worldview? You know, it encompasses basically, um, you know, everything, your opinion and your beliefs about various aspects of reality. And he gave a brief uh, description of metaphysical naturalism. And I'll have to admit to you, Jamie, I feel kind of uh, let down a little bit here. Um, his, at least the way I read it, his presentation or his, his, the way he 
uh, described met- metaphysical naturalism really, I thought really matched well with kind of my approach. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't wording it as strongly as I thought he was going to. Um, basically he, he said that, um, you know, we're, we're aware of the natural world. We know things about the natural world and we're, you know, we're not, we don't know about, about other things. And so he was saying, you know, this is the most plausible explanation. Uh, but he did mention multiple times, you know, that this is basically a working hypothesis kind of thing. Right. And so it's not like he was saying um, that he he's not ruling out, or at least that's the impression I got. Maybe, maybe as we read further, we might see something different, but it, it seemed like he wasn't ruling out supernatural no, uh, and I don't. I, don't I think that his. I think that his history too showed that he be, he would be open to it, unless that's right. changed. You know, because in right. his history, he talked all about his experience and trying to find what he thought was true. So right, uh, and that right. included some some spiritual aspects to it. So right, uh, at least up until now, it seems like he'd be open to that possibility. Right. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I was not really let down, but one of the reasons that I chose this book is, is I wanted to give you something to chew on, you know, something, somebody who was being aggressive and dogmatic and saying, you know, this is the way it is. And, um, and turned out to be not quite so bad, not quite so bad. Um, again, there were a few places where just the lack of, of, of footnotes was just rubbing me the wrong way. And, and I'll, I'll talk more <laughs> about that in a little bit, but, uh, so, so he talks a little bit about metaphysical naturalism and, and then he goes on, he talks a little bit about the origin of the universe. And I know we've covered some of this stuff in, in our first episode, as a matter of Ad fact. nauseum, yes. <laughs> yeah. And so he talked about the plausibility of a God hypothesis. And, and he, um, his, his viewpoint is that, you know, naturalism, uh, we can demonstrate nat- nature, we can demonstrate science and so forth. And, and he was kind of building his naturalism on top of the, I think he used a boat analogy, you know, the boat mm-hmm. of science. And, and how supernaturalism kind of goes above and beyond what we can demonstrate. Um, he talked a little bit about the multiverse, which I, which I thought was an interesting, um, you know, little thing to slip in there. At first, I wasn't really sure why, why he was bringing that up. But um, I think what, what he said at the beginning of this part is that he talked about metaphysical naturalism. And, he, and then he said, well, that's basically it. And so from here on out, I'm going to be talking about not metaphysical naturalism in particular, but more so other things about my worldview. And so, and so he's, he's calling it metaphysical naturalism, but that's really just one characteristic of this larger worldview that he's, um, and you see that, you see that often if, if, if you hold to a naturalistic or any worldview, like, uh, a lot of times you can assume if you hold a Christian worldview that your beliefs are probably X, Y, and Z. Right. Because that, that you just, that that's just happens to be the norm. And so with, um, you know, with you know him holding to certain beliefs, a lot of times you'll see that with the naturalist. Okay, that these are mm-hmm. even though that might not necessarily technically be considered part of you know uh, naturalism per se, that is kind of included within their worldview. Right. Right. Um, you know, when I was when I was reading it though, I was I was I wouldn't say disappointed, but I was a little bit taken aback. Because uh, the the title of the book is a defense of metaphysical, or at least that's a subtitle, a defense of metaphysical naturalism, and so I thought he would be spending more time on that. But that's okay. That's okay. There's still plenty of interesting things, and I think he's really, um, I think at the point in, that we're at at the book now, I think we're we're kind of starting to get the ball rolling. 
Um, yeah. so, so, so he goes on to talk a little bit more about other characteristics of the universe, first cause. You know, we've talked about that at length as well. Um, one thing I, I saw was that he was talking about the origin of order, and he was saying that, you know, order can come from chaos because uh, within, you know, if you look at a string of random numbers, for example, there's going to be a spot in there where you see, um, you know, the numbers 1 through 50 in order. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you have right. random digits. And so he was saying that, you know, order can come from chaos. And, and that was a little most of what he was saying, I, I felt kind of aligned with with my own thinking. This was one spot where I thought where I felt a little different. I don't really think I wouldn't really call that order. I would call that more like happenstance or, or something along those lines. And and for, for me, the difference between order and chaos is that order is just simpler. You know, order is simpler. For example, like if uh, if I dealt you a, a hand, if I dealt you some cards, right, and if I dealt you um, the ace, the two, the three, the four, and the five of hearts, yeah, baby, okay. Woo! And so, so if I deal you that, and then on the on the other hand, I deal you the jack of hearts, the king of diamonds, the two of spades, you know, the three of clubs, and the seven of clubs. And I, and I asked you, and you know, I waited a few minutes, and then asked you to tell me what was in those two hands. Yeah. And so, you know, it's only been 10 seconds ago. Can you, Nate, can you tell me what right. was in the first hand? Yeah, the first hand's easy because it was a straight and it right, was in the same suit. Exactly, exactly. And so, and we, you know, I don't, maybe you could remember a couple of the cards from, from the second hand. Right. Or if, I don't know if you could remember all of them. I'd be, I'd be impressed. I've already forgotten them anyway. Yeah. So. yeah I- but anyway, so, so for me, you know, listen, Scott, idea- I'm just trying not to breathe into the microphone, okay? I'm not <laughs> right. trying to survive here. I'm not going to try to remember anything. <laughs> Aim away from the microphone. Okay, yeah, so yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I so that's kind of was the way that I, I, I kind of I disagreed with him on that, but it was still interesting to hear hear that he did talk about time and about uh, about the B theory of time or block time, for example, and and you know he he compared that to the traditional um, what I think is more common in you know the general population. He was saying that the B theory of time is more common among uh, physicists in that area. And, and, but I would say that, you know, the A theory of time, the idea that time is linear, you know, one moment appears and then it's gone. And then we go on to the next one right. kind of thing. You know, that, that's probably a little bit more common with, uh, uh, the general population, but I thought there was an interesting talk about time, but that was, again, that was one of those spots where I was like, okay, well, what does this have to do? Well, okay, maybe, maybe it'll all come together. Maybe it'll all gel. And I, I um, maybe you can comment on this as well. The impression that I was getting was that he is, Part of the book is going to be justifying this this belief that this worldview that he has, but also part of it is just showing how his worldview interacts with science and interacts with you know everyday thing questions that come up and you know things like that. Do you did you get that impression yeah, at all? Yeah, well, everybody's worldview. One of the main key aspects of someone's worldview, um, as far as plausibility, is does it answer the big questions in life. Or does it help? Does it help you justify um, some of your beliefs on the big questions in life? Where did we come? My wife calls it the Cotton Eye Joe. Where did you come from? Where are we going to go? You know, <laughs> okay. Cotton Eye Joe. Well, how right. do you live your life? You know, how should we Wait, treat other you're people? Not, you're not going to sing the song? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Okay. All uh, right. Do you want me to? <clears throat> no, actually, hello, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, so um, I think part of the worldview, your worldview encompasses that. And so while some of this doesn't directly maybe tie into naturalism, to me, they kind of go hand in hand. 
Right. Because if you're a naturalist, you're this is probably what you're going to believe. And I mm-hmm. know it's it's not a monolithic group. I get that. Um, but it, it just seems to me that he's making a defense of his kind of uh, branch or stamp of naturalism and, some, and trying to answer some of the big questions in his worldview. Uh-huh. So it How didn't did seem you- out of skew to me. But uh-huh. uh, obviously coming from the other camp, it, it seemed pretty – Okay, this would seem like yeah, this is what he would want to talk about. Right. I th- I think one thing is clear is that he's had people question him about his worldview because it seems yeah, like yes. you know like some of these things he put in because he knows people that have asked him about it before, and so right, um, he's had some pushback on some things. Right. And right. The, even there were even a few times where I'm like, yeah, but what about this? And then that. <laughs> And then he came back and he's like, well, some of you guys might be thinking or, you know, somebody <laughs> once said, and then he went right into that. So that, yeah. That, um, I, so I are you saying that, that he, he prophesied what you were going to ask him? Maybe I say it was just random chance. Interesting. Was, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just out of curiosity, how do you feel he's doing with his defense? Well, so far? I, I, well, you know what? There's this chapter was really meaty. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot there. And while I would disagree with probably much of what he said, mm-hmm. it was breath of fresh air to hear him okay. try to go and defend it as well. Okay. So like when you and I talk, you usually don't presuppose things or if you do presuppose them, you'll try and at least give a defense or justification of why. And mm-hmm. that's and it's funny that you mentioned that you, you two kind of – a lot of things are very similar as far as your worldview goes because the whole time I was thinking there is no way Scott has not read this book before. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I was thinking, man, there's so many things in here that you've yourself said. And uh-huh. so I found that I found that interesting. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember I brought so up that you, objection. So you thought I must this. have uh, I must have taken it from him or something. Pulled a fast one. Uh, no, no, <laughs> I, 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 no, I swear I, just, I haven't read that. I haven't read anything from no, Richard yeah, Carey no, before. Actually, I, yeah, it just was um, kind of uncanny how the the two of you have very similar. He's I think the thing that bothers me about him, he's very, as a matter of fact, in a way, it's almost like, yeah, and this is it. Yep, and that's it. Next. Almost okay. like, oh, it's cut and dry. But mm-hmm. I think part of that is it, obviously in defense of time. Uh, I'm so used to talking to you where there, we have both sides. And so if you disagree with me, you're going to stop me. And we're going to talk about things. If I disagree with you, I'm going to stop you. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to push the pause button so okay. many times and have a discussion with him. Like, okay, wait, wait, wait. What did you mean by that? And what mm-hmm. about this? And what about that? But I like the fact that he's trying to justify each of these claims, even if I don't think he's successful. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that because, you know, one of the main critiques of Christians towards naturalists, particularly in debates, is the naturalist a lot of times doesn't bring um, affirmative uh arguments for naturalism it's just i don't Uh like christians i don't like what they do look how bad you guys are Uh, and that's what you see a lot of times and there isn't a defense of naturalism but i I, i'm seeing that that he's Uh at least presenting uh justifications even though i might disagree with him Uh yeah that was uh i i kind of I kind of pictured you as, and, you know, I tried to imagine, okay, what's Jamie going to think about this? What's she, what's, what's he going to, how's he going to react to this? And that's really, um, 
that I, I mentioned earlier about my continuing frustration with the lack of footnotes. And so, I mean, that was really what bothered me the most. Yeah. I wanted to ch- like, if there's a couple of times when he said something and I wanted to look it up, like he was talking about yeah. the B theory of time. And he was saying, you know, physicists believe this. And, and so I wanted to say, okay, tell me what physicists believe it. And I want to look, right. you know, I want to see what they say about it. I want to see, right. I want to hear, hear from the, you know, the horse's mouth. Yeah. Um, but really, I mean, this is a defense of his position. And so the, right. the target audience should be people like you. Yeah. Right. You would think. Yeah. And so, if, if you, I mean, as you're reading it, then, uh, like you said, you know, you're reading through it and, and, um, you know, you, you appreciate that he's, that he's making the attempt, but you didn't think he was successful. That is the moment that I wish that you could look down to a footnote yes, and say, okay, yes, here's a yes, bigger yes. argument. And so here's where I flesh out, or here's where I got this from. Right. Or, here's because what I had this- so many other questions yeah. that follow. And, and I felt like they were assertions a lot of times. Right. Even though I, I I don't think they were because I think that he has his own justification for them and mm-hmm. the, the justification is probably fine, um, but I so they just it just felt like he was asserting them because right. there wasn't that 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 the the footnotes or the or you know right. the yep. I don't want to say appeal to authority but like you know hey so and so has said this and and such and such a theory has backed up this and you know. Right. So yeah, I I can appreciate that frustration. I just enjoyed the fact that he was trying to defend certain things, and he's right. seems to be on the fringe of scholarship in in this way that I don't think he, and I, I could be totally wrong. It, it seems like he doesn't really care much what some people think because there are certain things that he said. Like I think he's the kind of guy he's like I'm just going to tell you what I think, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to worry about whether or not you know somebody agrees or disagrees or um, uh, because he was very blunt mm-hmm. and kind of very uh, just out there on some of his um, like oh, well, I'll tell you a, a, a couple things that bothered me um, was. He kept. He, he had mentioned a couple times before, and a couple times in this chapter about relying on um, the uh, consensus of of a particular uh, body of of people. You know, say we're mm-hmm. dealing in biology or whatever. But he takes such a radical view with the historical Jesus. I just keep thinking. I just keep <laughs> thinking about. It. He is a historian. Uh-huh. Um, and and yet he takes and, and it, it's an overwhelming consensus, not like fifty one percent. I know he's written at length on that subject, though. Have you read any of his work? I mean, yeah, are you actually, are I, you familiar I, with his scholarship? Yes, I have. I have read his. I have one book here about his. It's actually on Audible about um, Jesus, uh, the historical Jesus. Uh, that's not what okay. it's called, but it's about the historical Jesus. So, right. And I'm not a historian, so. Mm-hmm. All I can do is um, read it and judge it based upon the information that I've that I know about history and that I so mm-hmm. I just don't think that he's able to justify like he I, he just makes such a big deal about appealing to this consensus. Hey, I think we should go with the consensus of authority, mm-hmm. but then he doesn't on on a, such a big thing and not even like hmm. oh, there's only like fifty five percent. Like mm-hmm. we're talking like. 95% of historians okay. or 
New Testament scholars or whatever believe Jesus was a real historical figure. And so okay. I'm surprised that he takes such a, a fringe view when he's advocating. And I think rightfully so that, hey, you know, and maybe he's doing this because he is uh, a scholar in that field. And so maybe he feels at liberty like, hey, you should take the consensus if you're not an expert in the field. Okay. But if you're an expert, in, I'm not saying he's doing this. I'm saying maybe this is his thought process. But if you're an expert in the field, then you can know better. Right. So you you, you might not agree with that the consensus, be. but it's based upon uh, uh, your own primary field. And uh-huh. so maybe that's how he stands on that. Uh, I don't know. But that, that bothered And then there was only one other thing that. Well, there were a lot of things about it. Only one other thing really worth mentioning is in some of his theology, I think either he's gotten it wrong or he doesn't quite understand. In one instance, he talks about. Wait, are we straying from this book? No, no, it's it's this book. Yeah, okay. he talks about how if God could do anything, oh, you know, right. if God okay. can do anything, if God could do anything, but, but God can't do anything. And 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 it's it's been that's pretty well established since I mean even the early church fathers uh, the 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 verbiage or the idea is that God could do that which is logically possible and that which is accords with His own nature. So it's not like God because He talked about well if why couldn't God create a world in which X Y or Z uh-huh. and um, He says well if God could do anything. But we don't think God can do anything. And he also was wondering, he has no idea why God created a world with human beings. Uh-huh. I'm like, you don't know? Like why the vast majority of Christians believe God created human beings? Um, so I, I was just taken back. I thought that maybe he could bone up on his theology. Or maybe <laughs> – <laughs> and he called people like Thomas Aquinas like antiquated and out of date. Right. And I'm like, man. Well, he is. Uh, I mean, you know, well, he is an antiquated. Right. He is. An- and, but but it almost made it sound as if, oh, yeah, this really isn't anybody. And I'm thinking, man, really? Okay. Like, huh. I, it just, yeah. Well, so that, maybe that's that different was just than the impression my... I got on that part. Oh, but okay. well, I, I, see, I, I see your point of view there. there so um, what, did, what did, did you think overall? Well, I, before before we do that, I, I want to quick finish. You know, I want to make sure we we get, we get out there all this other stuff that he talked about, and then we can yeah. come. Let's then we can circle yeah. back around here. Um, he also talked a lot about determinism and free will, which I, yes. I thought was very interesting. Yes, and 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 that was something that you and I hadn't really talked about before, or at least not at right. length. And so I was just curious right. what you what are, what is your perspective on free will? He he promoted. Um, he promoted determinism as a as the as the correct view of the functioning mm-hmm. of the universe, and he also, um, you know, and and there's different perspectives on, on that as as how it relates to free will. There are you know people that say, like Sam Harris, for example, says that we don't have free will that that it's an illusion. I happen to disagree with Sam on that, and and I actually this it was this topic where I. Um, where I really started thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I think. Cause I've always been kind of a determinist and a compatibilism. He called it mm-hmm. a, a, a version of free will. Um, also uh, Daniel Dennett, philosopher, Daniel Dennett also calls that kind of free will, the kind of free will worth having. Right. And right. so, yeah. and so, and so he talked about how it was compatible with um, uh, determinism, but then he also talked about libertarian free will and, mm-hmm. and, uh, 
you know, the evangelist JP Moreland, he, yeah. he used, used some of his work as, as kind of the background of that. What is your take on, you know, just give me the brief, you know, we yeah. don't want to make this bit too long, but what's your brief uh, position or what's your thoughts on free will and how it relates to, you know, to what he was talking about? Well, JP Moreland isn't an evangelist. He's a philosopher of the mind. Oh, so oh, right. He, yeah. He's sorry. just, he's not just a lay preacher. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, no. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. But he, um, I had uh, in my notes evangelical philosopher J.P. Moreland, yeah, and I, yeah, I, just, does, I didn't does, read it correct. His big thing is philosophy of the mind, and okay. so I've actually read some of uh, some of his work. Uh, a lot of it's over my head, but some <laughs> of it isn't. Uh, the I think that one of the things he misunderstands about free will is he called he kept referring to freedom of the will is is um, choosing to do what you want. Right. But that's not libertarian free will. Libertarian free will is no choosing is, to do what you want. Yeah, he was saying that that's not that was he was that was the position he was promoting. And he was saying that libertarian oh, free it, will was that the decisions that you make are completely uncaused. That that freedom of the will is having a choice to do otherwise and actually being able to do otherwise. So we're we're talking right. now um and and I actually had a a, a real choice. In the matter mm-hmm. that I could have not talked to you tonight on the microphone. So as Christians, so the right. whole idea of free will, um, it, we have a various array of people in our own camp as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the same as your camp. So we have Christians like myself who believe believe in libertarian free will, that there is a first mover, a thing called a soul. He kept bringing up, well, J.P. Moreland doesn't know what this thing is, that this first prime mover well, he does. It's the soul. That is that thing that is you. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I am Scott, or I say, I am Jamie, um, mm-hmm. I'm talking about that immaterial soul, which obviously naturalists don't believe in. So we would say that is the thing that ends up making the choices and that there are other things obviously involved that help influence our choices. But ultimately, we can make choices mm-hmm. that go completely against what we want to do. We see that in battle, hmm. you know, people do running towards something. They everything about them says go, run, hide, but they do something anyhow. So that's the camp I fall into. But also within Christendom, okay. we have compatibilists and determinists, fatalists. So we have some people who believe that God has preordained from the foundation of the world. Well, determinist that takes would be place. different than a fatalist. He he distinguished between determinism <laughs> right. and fatalism. I, they're they're I different do, things. I do remember that I do remember that. In our camp it is not. It's the same thing. So it, it, I, don't, it I don't know be, what do you mean by that? What do you mean in your camp? It, it as a Christian. So we have you, we have you people, use the term the same way? Yeah, no, it, it it almost is interchangeable because it basically means the same thing. That ultimately, hmm. you are determined, it, especially in Christianity, because we believe the future is uh, is known by God, mm-hmm. and so so you are. Some people in Christendom believe you are fated to do certain things. Okay, and because God knows them. You have no choice to, but to do other to do otherwise. That this is what you're going to okay. do, and that God has preordained every everything, the good and the bad. Right, every like, minute. You're, you're talking detail. about Calvinism, right? Yes, hyper Calvinism. At least a variation yep. of that. Okay. Yep. And then there's the compatibilist who believes that that God determining these things 
is also combat compatible with our free will, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is I think it's a cop out. I I at least in the Christian sense, the way they look at the way they say, "Well, I'm a compatibilist." Mm-hmm. When when you ask them, "Okay, well, what causes you to do things? What causes you, for instance, to sin?" and they'll say, "Well, it's our sin nature." Okay, well, how did you get your sin nature? Well, Adam and Eve in the garden, and now I have the sin nature. Okay, well then. Then either God's unjust because he's he's blaming you for something that you didn't do, ultimately, uh, because Adam sinned. Now you have that sin nature. Now you're going to sin and be damned for it. Or God has given you that um, in in your nature that either Adam has made you culpable or God is culpable, but not uh-huh. you. So we have that freedom of the will, which is libertarian. We have compatibilists as well. And, hmm. and I would def and, and determinist or fatalist or however we'd flesh that out eventually. But I would say I definitely fall into the libertarian free will camp esque. Okay. So there's some, I'm sure there's some shades in so there. So I think we got, uh, I think we have some, some, uh, we found some ripe fruit possibly for, oh, uh, I'm for sure. to serve yes. as a, a future episode there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll be a because good one. Because of course everything that you just said was just bullshit. So anyway, so our next <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. it's beautiful. That's right? Was great. that matter of fact enough? <laughs> yeah, it's perfect, buddy. I love <laughs> okay. it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, before before we finish up here, um, you know, the last little bit he was talking about what everything is made of, and he said talked about space time, talked about matter and energy, mm-hmm. physical laws, abstract. He spent a lot of time talking about abstract objects, and basically yeah. the idea is that he was saying that this is all uh, consisting of patterns of energy in space time and different things. I thought that was really interesting. Um, the, but he finished up that section and this was the last little bit that we read on reductionism. And um, at the, at the risk of making this thing another 10 minutes long, I'm going to ask you <laughs> what's your, what was your thought on his presentation on reductionism? Well, oh, and, you- and just, just quick for the listeners there. Reductionism is the idea that like, um, uh, every mode of thinking can be reduced to uh, a, like a lower level. For example, he said that you know psychology can be can be reduced to biology. So, in other words, if you know if you know everything about somebody's biology, you can kind of predict what they're gonna what their psychology is gonna be like. And then biology reduces down to chemistry. So, if you know everything there is to know about uh, organic and biological chemistry, then you can predict biology. And that chemistry all boils down to f- physics and so on. So, so that's that basically what reductionism is, at least in this context. What was your? Yeah, what was I your thought take he presented a good overview of it, and I think that it's spot on if you're a naturalist. Okay. I think it makes com- absolute complete sense if you're a naturalist. So I mean I, th- I think it's it is the game in I town. I agree. If you're if you're a naturalist, yep, yep. So okay, that's so that's I'm assuming that's what you thought too that that it was that that is I did. That, that's the yep. way to go. Yep, I, I would call myself a reductionist there as well. Yep. Um, okay, so that was uh, that was our reading uh, for this last section. Now for the next uh, for the next part. We're going to be reading the rest of, of chapter three or part three. I'm not exactly sure what he's calling these different divisions, but um, basically if you look in the table contents of the book, it's fairly obvious what I'm talking about. Um, but in, in the print version, it's going to be pages 135 to 208. So we're basically we're finishing the rest of chapter three or part three or, or whatever it is. And so that's going to be for next time on the God or Not Book Club. 
And that about wraps it up for episode lucky number 13. So please send us your ideas, questions, and comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. If you'd like to know more about the topics covered in this episode, Jamie recommends... I recommend the book called Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. In this episode um, of Prejudice, we talked about some LGBTQIA issues. And, um, and this book, Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy, talks a lot about um, issues that uh, our society is facing and people are facing with um, – you know, gender issues and um, things where their their biology isn't 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 matching with their psychology and and things like that. And so she covers some of these issues that um, that uh, move in and around the whole transgender and and um, and um, sexual things, talking about LGBTQ. And so it was a very interesting read. And and it's not. Um, it's not your stereotypical Christian Bible bashing kind of, you know, like I'm going to beat you over the head with the Bible type of thing. It's actually pretty mild and modest, and I think it's logical. And she gives kind of the history behind some things. It's called Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy. All right. What do you All recommend, right, well- Scott? I recommend – actually, I'm not recommending a book this week. I'm recommending a TV show. And this is a show, it's a, it's a Netflix show, so it's available on Netflix now. So um, maybe when you're done listening to this podcast, you can go check it out. Um, it's by uh, a man by the name of Darren Brown, and he fancies himself as a psychological illusionist. He's, he's very famous in the UK. He has like a stage show and he does, um, you know, it's not really hypnotism, but it's more like psychological manipulation kind of thing. And so he did a show the first time I saw him on Netflix, he did a show called the push. And basically the idea was that they wanted to see if they could kind of convince somebody, you know, a a person off the street, if they could convince them to murder a stranger. I know it sounds kind of dark, but um, you know, and they, they, they show all the behind the scenes, everything, and, and no one's ever really in any danger at any point. But uh, the person who's who's being manipulated um, is unaware of of what's going on. So it was really fascinating. So, this, but, but the second show uh, of his of that Darren Brown did is called Sacrifice, and I thought this one was appropriate for for our topic here today, and because prejudice uh, was a what played a central role in this one. So Darren Brown was like, okay, so the first one was, can we talk somebody into murder somebody? Uh, in this one, can we talk somebody into taking a bullet? Um, taking a bullet for a stranger and not just a stranger, but uh, a stranger that is a person that they are prejudiced against. It's you know, a person from a, from a group that they are uh, that they're against. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I won't give away too much of the show, but, but it's really fascinating. It's very emotional. And I'll warn you ahead of time, make sure you clear your schedule for an hour because you're not going to want to stop. And so that's called, Darren Brown Sacrifice. And Darren spells his first name D-E-R-R-E-N. Brown, of course, spelled normally Sacrifice. And so that's on Netflix. Terrific. All right. So thanks, everyone, for joining us this episode. And we hope you'll be back with us next time when Jamie and I will be talking about the fine-tuning of the universe. Until then, this is your dialectic duo reminding you to talk to each other. See ya. This has been the God or Not Podcast. Send your questions or comments to email at godornotpodcast.com. 
If you'd like to support the show or grab some God or Not gear, please visit the website at www.godornotpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. 